Well, good morning. In case we haven't met, my name is Chris. I'm the marriage and family pastor here. It's uh, so great to see all of you today. As Dr. Ray shared, uh, we started this series called Guardrails uh, last week. And uh, as he kind of led that, that, that initial service, we talked about guardrails on the road are a system that is designed to protect us and it's designed to direct us. It's designed to keep us from danger. And we've been looking at the Bible to see God's guardrails for our, our lives. And what I've noticed about guardrails, and maybe you can, you can relate to this, is uh, they kind of disappear to me. Like when I'm on the road, I mean, I just take them for granted. I don't really think about them. Uh, they disappear until you need them, until it really matters. Uh, a few years ago, my family and I had taken a trip to North Carolina. We were going to stay at a friend's cabin up in the mountains. Now, the name of the, the town we were going to stay in was uh, the town of Seven Devils. So right away, you should be alarmed. And it was called Seven Devils because uh, to get from the main road up to the mountain, up to the town of Seven Devils, you had to go up uh, this steep incline with seven hairpin turns as you, as you ascended thousands of feet. So, so a very, very dangerous, very treacherous, especially if you're used to flat things and you're from Florida. And so we went there, and being from Florida, we prayed for snow because we wanted to ski. Some of you are seasonal, and you're here uh, just to escape from the snow. You think we're crazy. But we couldn't wait to see some snow, and sure enough, it snowed, and it was just beautiful. We loaded up the van, and we were going to go to the slopes, and uh, to get from the driveway of the cabin we were staying at, uh, downhill, the first thing you did was you went down the steep incline to a stop sign, and then it was like a through road, and then there was a ledge. I want you to place that word in your mind right now, a ledge. And after the ledge, there was a drop of several hundred feet down to where the road connected again. So we load up in the van, and we're excited. Woo, we're going to ski. Awesome. Snow is great. We back out. We start going down, and I apply the brakes to stop at the stop sign. Sounds good, right? You would think that would do something. But no, the van just keeps moving. It starts to slide. I turn the wheel, nothing. We're sliding straight through into this intersection, and beyond that is what? Ledge. Pressing the brakes, nothing is happening. Words were said in the van that I cannot repeat here in a family service. Every muscle clenched, and I mean every muscle, as we approached the stop sign, nothing happening, just sliding downhill. We went through the stop sign. Thankfully, no cars coming. And we went right up until the bumper ever so gently nudged in to a metal guardrail. Crisis averted. Crisis averted. Guardrails are invisible until you really need one. There was a scratch on the front of the van. But the assumption with guardrails is any damage done from bumping into it is much less than the damage done if it hadn't been there at all. We, we could have died. We could have been seriously injured. We could have gone right off the edge had that guardrail not been there. And it's the same in life. God has guardrails for us, barriers, boundaries, riverbanks that he wants us to put in our lives to keep us from going over the edge, to keep us from crashing and burning in this, in this life. So today we're going to look at a part of all of our lives, our relationships, the friendships in our lives. Anybody here have a relationship with anybody? So pretty much you know the message is for you, 
right? Today's message is for you because we live in relationships. And sometimes it's out of those relationships that we do stuff that pushes us over the edge. We do dumb stuff. In fact, as I was reflecting on this message and I was thinking about today, I I realized that some of the dumbest stuff I've ever done, I didn't do with people I didn't like, right? I didn't do with people who didn't like me. I did them with my friends, right? Some of the stupidest things I ever did when I think back, I go, man, I was with people I loved. I thought they were just awesome and we were doing dumb stuff. For instance, I've only smoked cigarettes one time in my life, but it was with my friend Rob. I think it was his idea. We said, let's see what this thing is all about. So we got a pack of Lucky Strikes. Yeah, it's like sucking on charcoal, right? You know, and we smoked an entire pack together in like 15 minutes. If Lucky Strikes ever needs like a marketing slogan, I think this would be it. If when you need to be sick and you need to be sick now, Lucky Strike. We were just throwing up. It was awful. I never smoked since. It cured us. I was with my best friend at the time, Rob just doing dumb stuff. One Friday after a football game, we loaded up. I just got my driver's license. We loaded up my mother's station wagon, a Ford Country Squire. Woo! Right? All of my marching band buddies just filled that car, which right away tells you how cool I was in high school. Right there. It had been raining, and so we, we were going to go to eat at Denny's, and, and we, were, we were on our way, and we stopped at, at State Road 7 at a traffic light. It was red, and one of my friends said, Chris, let's see what your mom's car can do. Okay. When the light turns green, man, just punch it. Let's just see what this thing can do. So sure enough, the light turns green. I punch it. The wheel starts spinning. We had to turn left, and as we turned, this weird phenomenon happened. We just began to spin, a car full of band geeks spinning down the road. And then we straightened out. There was silence for that entire spin. And when we straightened out, it was like, yeah, woo, can we do it again? Some of the dumbest things I ever did, I did with people I loved. And I share that story. I know I can share that because if you're an adult, there are stories you have in your own life that you're embarrassed to tell, that you're embarrassed to share because you know Like, that was just dumb. That thing you did with that group of buddies, that was not wise. That was like pushing you close to the edge. Some of you even went over. The people around us, they they influence us. And, And as parents, as a parent myself, like, it takes on a whole new meaning, right? When you look at your kids and the people they hang out with, right? There are two groups of kids when you become a parent. There are your kids and they're the good kids, And then there are those others. There are those questionable friends that you warn your kids to stay away from, right? You warn your daughter not to go out with that guy. You you warn your son, don't hang out with those guys. And it's not that you're stalking, you're just being a good parent, right? And because of social media and social networking, we have all these tools, right, parents? We we become friends with our kids on Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram, Not just because we love them, but because we want to see who their friends are and what kinds of things they're saying. Like, in my own mind, and we've had to tell our kids, hey, you can't be friends with that person. Unfriend them. Block their calls. Do not follow them. Anytime I see one of three things, if I see um, foul language, if I see any reference to, like, drug use, bad, like, unfriend. If If I see the name Kardashian, it's time to, you can't be friends. That's bad. That's bad. You can't be friends. You got to unfriend them like yesterday. 
right? And that's just what we do because we know that somehow who we hang out with is going to affect us. And we know the dumb stuff we did with the people we hung out with, and we don't want our kids to do the same stuff. It matters. It matters. So uh, today we're going to look at a verse that really illuminates this, this principle of life. It's, it's a short verse, but man, it is packed with truth that can help you and I live a life that's protected, keeps us from the edge, from kind of going over the edge, and also can direct our paths if we'll pay attention to it, if we'll kind of build a guardrail out of it. And the verse, before we look at it, let me tell you a little bit about it. About it. It's uh, in the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is just a collection of wise sayings of things that are just true, of God's wisdom for us to kind of live by. Uh, Solomon uh, wrote most of them. He collected some. And they're just great truths for us to live uh, God-honoring lives that will bless us and bless the people around us. So let's go ahead and look at it. It's uh, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And it says this. It says, walk with the wise and become what? Wise. Walk with the wise, become wise. But associate with fools and get into trouble. Solomon says there's trouble ahead if you associate with fools. And he's talking about, when he talks about wise people, he's talking about people who get the fact that life is connected. Do you know people like this? I hope you do. They get the fact that, that what they do today, decisions they make like right now, have a consequence tomorrow. They understand that if I, make, if I want good things to happen tomorrow, I need to make good choices today. They see life as connected. And then you've got foolish people who they just can't connect the dots no matter what. I mean, they know what's right. They know kind of the wise thing to do. They just, they just don't get how it all works out, how it all plays together. They don't know that what they do today will show up somehow in their life tomorrow. And so it's all about the now, it doesn't matter how much I drink today, because I still got tomorrow. It doesn't matter how much I party today, because I still have tomorrow. It doesn't matter how, much I treat, how bad I treat my body today, because I still have tomorrow. It doesn't matter how long I stay at the office, because everything will be the same tomorrow. They see no correlation. It doesn't matter what I spend today, because there's still tomorrow. They see no correlation between today and tomorrow. But tomorrow somehow shows up, doesn't it? And there are consequences. And in this verse, Solomon says, so be very careful. If you walk with the wise, if you spend time, if you let yourself be around, if you invite the wise people to, to kind of rub shoulders with you, you're going to become wise. But if not, there's going to be collateral damage. Because when those foolish people who can't connect the dots, when they go over the edge, physically, financially, with their faith, whatever, Guess who's going with him? There's going to be collateral damage. So he says, walk with the wise and become wise. I wrote it like this. I call it the law of proximity. And it looks like this. Who you become is largely determined by who you're with. In fact, your closest friends are a snapshot of the future you. The people that are on speed dial on your phone. The people that you respond to immediately when they call you, your closest inner circle, they're just a picture of what you're going to be like five years from now, ten years from now. Their attitudes, their perspectives, their habits, it's going to rub off. It's a law. It's like gravity. You can resist it. You can fight. You can push against it, but you can't avoid it. 
my closest friends, your closest friends, they're a picture of what you're going to look like and sound like and act like and live like down the road. So Solomon says, man, walk with the wise. But if you associate with fools, there is trouble coming. We become like the people closest to us. So be very, very careful. Uh, In fact, University of Michigan did a study back in 1987. And they wanted to know why some old couples looked alike. Have you guys seen this? Like maybe grandparents or just, just, you know, friends of yours, whatever. Like they've been married forever and they, they seem to look like each other. And so University of Michigan did this study, and they said, hey, this is a real thing. They actually grow more alike. They took pictures at one stage in their marriage and then compared those pictures like 25 years later. They said, look, their faces have actually changed to look more like them. And they said, look, here's here's what happens. Uh, The closer they are, the happier they are together, the more uh, empathetic they are with each other. So when one's sad, the other one is sad. It shows up on their face. One's happy, the other one's happy too. So some of you have nothing to worry about. Because you're not that happy in your marriage right now. So you're not going to look like your partner in, in, in a few years. But for others, you can't escape it. Something happens when we're around people close to us. It's the law of proximity. We become more like them. So what's the guardrail? How can we go forward in life in a way that keeps us from the ledge, that keeps us from danger, and can direct our paths. Let me give you just a few ideas, all from Proverbs and then some, some words in the New Testament that just kind of give us a picture of what, what wisdom looks like. And this would be the guardrail that I, that I would share. Only allow, only choose, only have wise people in your inner circle. If you become like the people around you, then by all means, choose wise people to rub shoulders with. Choose wise people to partner with. Choose wise people to date. Choose wise people to be your closest friends. Because like it or not, you're going to be more like them in a few years. So here's a picture of what wisdom might look like. First is you need friends. You need to choose and keep close friends who will watch your back. That just means they're loyal. They will watch your back. You need somebody who's loyal in your life. If the only thing that's loyal in your life is your dog, you've got some work to do. And if all you have is a cat, then we'll pray for you. Because <laughs> you're in trouble. Proverbs says this. It says, a friend is always what? Loyal. A friend is always loyal. A brother is born to help in time of need. We need somebody who will watch our back. You need somebody who will watch your back. When times get tough, they don't bail out. Somebody famously said that a real friend walks in when everybody else walks out. And if you've ever felt the sting of betrayal, you know how valuable a loyal friend can be when you've been betrayed. I'll never forget uh, going to a banquet back in high school, and uh, uh, this girl had just broken up with me. Man, I was devastated. Well, at the banquet, banquet, lo and behold, during the dancing, I look up from the table for my chicken cordon bleu, and I look up, And I see my best friend dancing with that girl. Oh! (laughs) And to make matters worse, they were dancing to a song by Chicago. And I love Chicago, but now I can't hear a Chicago song without thinking of them. But I'm not bitter. (laughs) 
Man, when you feel that sting, you realize how valuable just somebody in your corner really is. Franklin Graham, the founder of Samaritan's Purse, an incredible organization, does incredible good all over the world, uh, writes about the time he went to visit his friend Jim Baker in prison. Jim Baker, of course, the famous televangelist uh, in prison, incarcerated um, just because of just the scandal, all the, all the stuff he was doing. And so Franklin shows up at, in his prison cell and shows up and extends his hand and hugs him and, and sits with him. And Jim is aghast. He's like, Franklin, what are you doing here? Why are you in jail? Why are you in prison with me? Don't you know this will ruin your reputation? Your ministry is in jeopardy. You cannot be seen with me. Why are you here? And Franklin said, Jim, I'm here because I'm your friend. He didn't care what else happened. He was there because he was his friend. That's what loyalty looks like. Do you have anybody in your circle that you can lean on, that you can trust? They've got your back. I hope you do. Not only do you need somebody who will watch your back, but you need somebody who will inspire you. The writer of Hebrews says this. He says, look, let us think of ways to motivate one another, to inspire one another to acts of love and good works. You need somebody in your life, in your close circle, who when you're around them, man, you just, your level, you just become a better version of yourself. You want to be better. You want your faith to grow. You want to love God more. You want to love people more. They just, they just inspire you to give your best. They inspire you to be a better dad, a better mom. They inspire you to be a better husband, a better wife. They inspire you to be a better Christ follower. Just being around them does that. Back in my college days, I've shared before about a pastor named Ernie Bergen. He was the pastor at Broadmoor Baptist Church in Starkville, Mississippi. Stark, Vegas. Whoop! Yeah, population 14,000. It was a great little church. And I would, I would listen to Ernie preach and teach, and I'd go, oh, man, he's so good. He just knows the Bible so well, the way he understands Scripture. And I would say, Ernie, that's just amazing. He's like, Chris, I've got like 20 years on you. Just relax. You know, you'll, you'll get there. Just keep studying and praying. And I would listen to him pray, and it was like he was friends with Jesus. <laughs> you ever hear anybody pray that way? It was like he was on a first-name basis with Christ. He was so close. I was like, Ernie, I, just, I want that. He's like, be patient. You know, keep doing what you're doing. He inspired something in me to want to be more, to want to be better. I think of my friend John, John Stepp. When I'm around him, I go, man, I want to be, be that kind of leader. He leads and loves his team so well. I wish you guys could see behind the scenes. He shepherds and just cares for and just, and just manages and leads and encourages so well. I, I just want to be better when I'm around him. When I'm around Dr. Ray, you know what it does? It takes my faith and just amps it up because there is no small vision with Dr. Ray. I mean, everything is let's go. We can do it. With God helping us, we can do it. We're going to do it. It inspires me to want to up the capacity of my faith in my own life, my own relationship with God. Who in your life does that for you? I hope you got somebody. Scripture says if we walk with the wise, we'll become wise. We need to choose wise people to be in our inner circle, to be on our speed dial, because we're going to become like them. Somebody who will watch your back, somebody who will inspire you. But not only that, somebody who will shoot straight. They will shoot you straight. They will not sugarcoat the truth. They will tell you what is up. They're the ones who, they will say, look, you got a big old piece of lettuce in your teeth, buddy. 
You need to get that out. I love this. Proverbs 27, 6 says this. Wounds from a friend can be what? Trusted. Trusted. Because behind those words that may sting, that may wound a little bit, man, there's a heart that wants the best for you. Like Dr. Ray shared last week, you know, there's a difference in being nice and just avoiding the truth and being kind. And we need to be kind enough with each other to say, hey, let me tell you what I'm seeing. I'm concerned about this for you. I want the best for you. I'm concerned about this. You need somebody in your life, somebody you're close to to shoot straight with you. I'll never forget, I've shared this before, it just marked me. In sixth grade, it was cold outside. It was like 70. If you're from South Florida, that's like, woo, you know, get my parka. And so, and so I put a sweater on and I go to school and all day long, I just notice people giving me weird looks. I'm like, what is up? I mean, this is not boding well for my school career here, my middle school career. Apparently, I'm a doofus because everybody's looking at me, kind of snickering, laughing at me. I mean, this is just awful. At the end of the day, one of my buddies goes, Chris, you got to go in the bathroom right now. Just turn around, look in the mirror. Like, okay. I go in the boy's bathroom. I turn around, and I am horrified because what I see on the back of my sweater is a pair of underwear. Somehow stuck, like, to the fabric, and it gets worse. It was my mother's underwear. (laughs) Do you think I have a few issues from that day? Woo! What I would have given, what I wouldn't have done for somebody, like, like, first hour, to say, hey, man, you got some undies on your sweater. (laughs) You might want to take those off if you want a future. (laughs) what I wouldn't have done. We need somebody who would just shoot straight with us, even though we're embarrassed, even though it hurts. Man, we know they care about us. They tell us, they tell us the truth. This morning when I walked in, Ray pulled me aside and he said, hey man, (laughs) he goes, it looks like you got some kind of like barrette in your hair. The wire on my mic was like way up here. It was like doing funky things with my, with my hair. He's like, you should fix that before you go in and get in front of people. Thank you. We need wise people in our lives, somebody who will watch your back, somebody who will inspire you. You're around them and you want to be more. Somebody who will shoot straight with you. Hey, you got undies on your sweater. (laughs) And finally, you need somebody who will encourage you. You need somebody who will encourage you. Man, you know the biggest deficit in our country? It's not our federal government. It's a deficit of encouragement. I spend so much time every week with some of you. And I hear the stories of how life is just beating you down and what you wouldn't do for somebody to say, hey, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. There's hope. Don't give up. What you wouldn't do for some encouragement in your life. The Apostle Paul said this, I'm... Anytime somebody says, well, I don't really understand the Bible. It's so mystical. It's so, it's so hard to understand. I always think of verses like this. Paul says, you want to know what God's will is for you? This is what he says in 2 Corinthians. Encourage each other. That's pretty clear. There's not much gray area there. He says, look, you want to honor God. You want to please God. You want to bless people. Then you be somebody who, as you go through your life as a parent, 
As you go through your life as a friend, as a husband, as a wife, as a grandparent, as a student, that just oozes encouragement. And every time I talk about encouragement, I always feel like I got to talk about, I always got to tell the difference between flattery and encouragement. Flattery is a lie, I tell you, for my own good. You look great. That haircut's awesome. Right? Encouragement is when I see something that's, that's true about you. That's good. That's right. That's positive. And I just call your attention to it. Man, I love that about you. I love your perseverance. I love that gift when it just comes out. I love your creativity. I love how patient you are with your kids. That's what, that's what encouragement looks like and sounds like. And we need it. We absolutely need it. I hope you've got somebody in your life who gives you that. It reminds me of a story I read by Dale Carnegie. In, in one of his books, he talked about this, this kid who was born in poverty in Great Britain. And he said this, this kid was born in bad circumstances. He shared, he shared a room, a little lodging in the heart of London with some kids who were just so negative. And they ridiculed him. They, they mocked him. They made fun of him. But the thing about this child is that he really liked to write. He would journal. He would make up little stories. And it didn't matter what he did. He was constantly mocked and ridiculed, worked in a factory, dirty, dingy, life very just meaningless, very hard. But he could write. And so as he grew older, he began to send articles and short stories to some of the newspaper editors there in London, some of the book publishers. And every single time, Every single time, he would be rejected. And he would do this, like, late at night. He would put stuff in the mail late at night because if anybody knew, there'd just be more ridicule. You're never going to be a writer. What are you doing? What are you thinking? This is all you'll ever be. And then he sent one short story on one of those nights. And instead of a flat-out rejection, the editor who received the story wrote him back and said, you know what? Young man, you have promise. There is a gift there that if you'll work on, if you'll cultivate your craft, you could be great one day. And Charles Dickens listened to that word of encouragement. And he kept writing, thank the Lord. And some of our greatest pieces of English literature came from that little boy who was encouraged as a young man by one guy. Encouragement is powerful. I think of Abraham Lincoln, one of the greatest presidents we've ever had or will ever have. The night he was assassinated at Ford Theater, in his coat pocket were nine newspaper clippings. Seven of them were just about current events that he was trying to bone up on, just to kind of get savvy about. They're going to affect some of his leadership decisions. Two articles were dated but they were just two editorials praising him, calling out the good that was in Lincoln. And he just held on to those because he needed that encouragement. And so do you. And so do I. It's powerful. You know, I have friends who are runners. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> they like to run. And I've heard so many stories when they run marathons of how, like, the first part, like, the biggest leg, like, the, like 20 miles, is manageable. And I know. I'm like, what? Like, that's just amazing to me. But it's those last four or five miles that it's just grueling. 
where, I mean, it feels like you've got cinder blocks on your feet. I mean, you're just pouring sweat. You just don't know if you're going to make it. And to a person, I promise you, to a person, they've all shared the same story. It's in that last stretch that all of a sudden, the words, the cheers, the shouts of encouragement from people just lined up on the side of the road, just lift them. People running with them, just those words of encouragement. You can do it. Don't stop. You're going to finish this. Keep going. You're made for this. Don't give up. You're almost there. That somehow that lightens their load. They run faster. They can find the strength because of the words of even strangers. Just to encourage them to not stop. And every single one of us in this room, we need somebody in our lives who will say, when we, when we are so tired, when it feels like we've just been running this thing so long, while we're working on our marriage for so long, working with our kids for so long, trying to get through school, trying to make our career work, and it's so tough. We need somebody in our lives who will get up next to us and say, you can do it. Man, don't you dare stop. You're going to finish this. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. You just keep going. I hope you've got somebody in your life like that. For me, it's my wife, Kim. Proverbs says that the man who finds a wife finds a blessing from the Lord, a gift from the Lord. And every week, she just tells me how great I am. That just gets me. It just gets me. How she's so glad to be my wife. Women, let me just tell you this. You might not see it in your men, but they so desperately need your encouragement. They so desperately need your encouragement. Solomon said, man, you walk with the wise and you'll become wise. But if you associate with fools, there is trouble ahead. You will get into trouble. You will go off the ledge. And so wherever you are this morning, I want to encourage you to make the choice to choose wise people to be in your inner circle. And maybe, maybe you've just come back to church after a while. Maybe you're questioning the whole thing. Who is Christ? Who is Jesus? What is this all about? And let me encourage you to take a step and invite Christ into your circle, to invite him to be your best friend. Proverbs says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and it's talking about Jesus Christ. That if you want somebody who's got your back, he's got it. He went all the way to the cross for you and for me. That's how loyal he is. You want inspiration? You want somebody who'll shoot straight? You want encouragement in your dark days? then you want a relationship with Christ. And maybe that's your first step. You become like who you're with. Some of us, maybe if you're dating, you need to choose somebody who's wise to date. If you're a student, you need to choose wise people to be friends with. If you're married, well, you're stuck. (laughs) You're just stuck. But you know what? You can pray for them. And you can bring them to Valentine's Day, and there's hope. But make no mistake, it's just a law of life. Your friends, your closest friends, the people you do life with, they're a picture of you, a picture of you in the future. So by all means, choose wise friends. Let's pray.